Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, Liam Stack, Ruminant Technical Manager, Dairy Gold Agri-Division, looks at some very important aspects of butterfat percentage in milk. Dennis Howard, Technical Manager, Munster Vovine, looks at aspects of sex semen and the improvements it can bring for farming enterprises. Brendan Smithy Chagas on many important aspects affecting farmers and details of two upcoming crop walks. This week, Macrona Farmer members took part in a 79-kilometre walk from a Thaikadikildir to government buildings in Dublin to draw attention to the lack of opportunities and facilities for younger people in rural Ireland. MACRA President John Keane said the message of the 79 kilometres walk was we want a future for rural Ireland. MACRA Nefirma has been demanding that the government would establish a farm retirement scheme in which older farmers would be paid to exit the sector. Retiring farmers should be paid, MACRA believe, the equivalent of €2,910 per cow to exit farming. And again, Mocker President John Keane said the funding already earmarked for a dairy cow reduction scheme should instead be redirected to fund Mocker's proposed succession scheme. There should be no land use restrictions in such a scheme, Mocker say. That's all in a letter to the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, which was handed in on Wednesday at the end of the protest walk. Makra is calling on the government to recognise that generational renewal in the industry is at a, quote, crisis point, and Makra want a task force set up to increase young farmer numbers. Full report in this week's Irish Farmers Journal with Miss Amy Ford, Deputy News Editor. The closing date for the National Dairy Beef Welfare Scheme is Tuesday 2nd of May. The chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee, Mr Des Morrison, has urged all farmers with an interest in the scheme to remember this closing date of Tuesday, 2nd of May. Mr Morrison points out farmers can apply for the scheme online through agfood.ie, all lowercase. ICSA National Beef Chair Mr Edmund Graham claims it's now clear there is no incentive for farmers to finish cattle earlier, given how, he points out, stagnant beef prices have remained over the last several months. Edmund Graham said that back in mid-December we were getting €5.10 a kg for heifers and €5 a kg for steers, but he claimed we hadn't seen nearly enough upward movements since then and certainly not enough to have finished cattle earlier over the winter months. Part of a long statement there from the ICSA beef chair, Mr Edmund Graham. Jason Fleming, IFA National Farm Forestry Chair, said that Ireland's forestry programme... 2023 to 2027 inclusive has finally been formally submitted to the European Commission for state aid approval. Mr Fleming said the delay getting approval for the programme has taken its toll on the forestry sector as farmers that do not hold technical approval cannot apply to plant. The IFA National Farm Forestry Chair said that farmers who want to plant and avail of the new grants and premiums cannot make an application at present 
and will continue to be excluded from planting until state aid approval has been granted. The programme, he said, needs to be opened as a matter of urgency. Part of a statement there from Mr Jason Fleming, IFA National Farm Forestry Chairperson. Next in our programme, the Carberry Regional Mocranifirma Report with Laura Woods. Hello, my name is Laura and I am bringing you the Carberry Mockra News. On Saturday, April 22nd, Clonakilty Mockra represented the Carberry region at the national semi-final of the public speaking competition held in Kilkenny. They did very well, but unfortunately it wasn't their night. On Sunday, April 23rd, Balnascarty Mockra represented the Carberry region at the national volleyball finals in Kilkenny. Well done to the team, but unfortunately it was not their day. On Tuesday and Wednesday last, some of our members walked the 79 kilometres from Athy in County Kildare where Mockra was founded to government buildings in Dublin. This was as part of a national campaign run by Mockra and a farmer called Steps for Our Future, which is in order to highlight rural issues and to protect the future of farmers and young people living in rural Ireland. Bantry Mockra hosting a table quiz on Friday the 5th of May in Doris. See your social media pages for more information. A tag rugby competition will be held on Sunday the 7th of May in Clonakilty GA grounds. Time to be confirmed. If you are interested in playing, please contact your local Mockra club or message us on our social media pages for more information. Time is running out to get your tickets for the National AGM Banquet, which is happening on the 13th of May in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. Tickets are €45 and this includes a three-course meal, entertainment by Bog the Donkey and a DJ till late. So please book your tickets as soon as possible if you would like to enjoy this great night. All are welcome to attend. So as you can see, Carberry Mockra has something for everyone and has clubs located from Inishannon to Beira. So if you are aged between 17 and 35 and would like to join, have any questions or would like some more information, please contact us through our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Thank you. And thank you, Laura. Laura Woods, the radio officer for the local Carberry region with the fortnightly Carberry Report. The President of the ICMSA, Mr Pat McCormack, has called for an immediate and thorough investigation by the Commission and Consumer Protection Commission, CCPC, into what he said he had no hesitation in describing as, quote, out-and-out price gouging on prices charged to farmers for fertilisers this year and last. Speaking after a sitting of the Joint Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine, which heard submissions on disparities in the cost of fertiliser, Mr McCormack said that differences between prices paid by Irish farmers by comparison to even northern Irish farmers were, quote, jaw-dropping, and beyond, he claimed, any rational explanation other than the opportunity to allegedly overcharge and price gouge. Mr McCormack said it was as clear-cut a case as could be recalled and he contended it was absolutely incumbent upon the state agencies specifically charged and funded to deal with this kind of what he claimed was malpractice to investigate what went on and to produce a full report with consequences to follow. Part of a long statement there from the President of the Irish Creamery Milk Supplier Association, Mr Pat McCormack, and addressing the Joint Hierarchist Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine on Fertiliser, the IFA Deputy President, Mr Brian Rush, said the profiteering, allegedly, within the fertiliser industry was coming at a detrimental cost to Irish farmers' livelihoods. 
Mr. Rush said fertilizer prices around Europe continue to decrease, with an almost 60% fall in price between the peaks of 22 and March 2023. But, he said in Ireland, prices had only reduced by a fraction. He went on to point out that in the United Kingdom, the AHDB reported the price paid for urea by farmers had fallen by over 40% from September 22 to February 2023. As per the CSO fertilizer price data in the same period in Ireland, he said, the price of urea has only reduced by 9% from a higher level than UK prices were in September of 2022. Part of a statement there from Mr Brian Rush, IFA Deputy President, regarding allegations about fertiliser market profiteering. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Liam Stack, Ruminant Technical Manager, Agri-Division, Dairy Gold, our sponsor. First of all, Liam, welcome to the programme. Now, we have a lot of questions to ask, and hopefully these will be of great interest to our listeners. At this time of the year, Liam, as cows go into the second round of grazing, farmers can see drops in milk butterfat percentage. Now, is this a widespread issue or just uh, something isolated? Hello, John. Um, thanks for having me on the show and, and hello to all your listeners. And I suppose, look, um, work done by Finbar Mulligan and UCD would indicate that in the months of April, May and June, that about 10% of farms experience a milk fat depression where milk butter fat in the tank drops below 3.3%. But about 40% of farms experience a butterfat depression where butterfat drops below 3.6%. So, you know, quite a lot of farms experience butterfat drops in the months of April, May and June as grass gets lush. What causes this butterfat drop at grass? So for milk fat depression, you need uh, a diet that's high in unsaturated fat and a diet, a cow that has a lower than normal rumen pH. And I suppose if everything is working fine and the rumen pH is normal, unsaturated fats are converted to saturated fats through a process called biohydrogenation. But when the rumen pH is lower than normal, and it doesn't have to be very low, just lower than an, a lower pH than a normal pH, this process is altered. And milk fat depressing intermediates, or CLAs, are formed. And it's these CLAs that cause butter fat percentage to drop when cows grow grazing grass. So the next logical question, and perhaps a slight repetition, are these conditions happening when cows are at grass? Look, I suppose um, correct grassland management requires that we graze our grass at the tree leaf stage down to four centimetres every 18 to 21 days. And grass that's used in this management process has high levels of organic matter digestibility, high levels of sugars and high levels of oils. And these lead to cows with low rumen pHs. And that's a perfect storm when it comes to milk fat depression. And work done again in UCD has shown that about 61% of cows have a low rumen pH at grass, and about 11% of cows have a very low rumen pH at grass, and that these cows have butterfat levels of less than 3.4%, and some as low as 3.15%, 3.2%. What would the consequences be of low milk butterfat? I suppose there's three potential consequences, and the main, the main consequence um, is the economic loss associated with milk um, butterfat drops. Milk fat is very valuable, and every 1% drop in milk fat is costing you about 0.52 cents per litre. So for a herd of 100 cows, you know, milking 28 litres across a month, you could be losing €450 Euro of milk revenue and because of the economic loss associated with um, butterfat depression. Low butterfats are also associated with an overall drop in diet digestibility. And when diet digestibility drops, it just means that your cow is losing nutrients out her outer back end. And low butterfats in conjunction with poor rumen function can also lead to the increased possibility of lameness at farm level. And increased levels of lameness 
um, has been shown to have the impact on fertility performance at farm levels. With all those risks and potential negatives, how do we tackle low butterfats at grass? Well, John, with everything with cow nutrition or with dairy cow nutrition, it's a combination of breeding and feeding. Um, feeding only allows your cows to express their genetic potential. And if you've got cows that are bred for low levels of butterfat, there's a greater chance they will suffer from low levels of butterfat at grass. And a herd with a zero to negative CD for fat percentage on their EBI report could expect milk fat to drop to around 3.6% in May. On the feeding side, there are several things we can do, although the practicalities of some of them are limiting. We can, for example, feed some hay and straw, and past experience has shown us that this works best when farmers are willing to move the hay and straw on a daily basis in a round feeder as their cows go from paddock to paddock. But the results are variable because, you know, cows, the intake the cows show from the straw is, is very, very variable. And it's very important that we're feeding hay or straw not to forget that hay and straw is lower energy than grass. And we don't want to be replacing large volumes of grass right now with lower digestibility forages. So a half to a third of a kilo of straw daily is, is, is plenty. Using hay and straw to increase butterfat will drop milk protein because you're going to drop the energy content of the diet. And it's very important right now that we are mindful of milk protein. Milk protein is a reflection of the energy nutrition of your herd. And energy nutrition and fertility performance go hand in hand. Where while as butterfat is a reflection of the structural condition of your cow's diet. We should try to provide grazing ground that has received blanket applications of nitrogen recently because ground that has received blanket applications of nitrogen is generally higher in aisle. We should we could try increasing our pre grazing covers by about two hundred kilos. But if we're doing this we need to maintain grazing pressure. There is no good in you know, increasing your pre grazing covers and leaving six to seven centimetres of grass behind you in, in the paddock when your cows come out. Because stem left in the field can't increase butterfat. The cow must consume the stem. And this stem left in the field, if it's not grazed, will lead to poorer quality grass and subsequent grazings and lower proteins and yields across the summer. We should try to feed concentrates that are based around digestible fibres and maize, not wheat. And a lot of the so-called less digest or desirable raw materials are actually positive for butterfat. For example, palm kernel. Um, but we must balance their inclusion with maize to hold the overall energy content to feed. And finally, we can use a feed that dairy goats have called Rumi Force Dairy, which is very positive from a butterfat standpoint. Very important. You've just mentioned in passing Rumen Force Dairy. We've heard a lot about that. What exactly is this highly commended Rumen Force Dairy? Well, Rumi Force Dairy is a feed, John, that we have designed to be the perfect fit for cows that are grazing lush grass. It includes maize and, and a lot of digestible fibres to maintain rumen function. It contains double-rate phosphorus to overcome issues with cows eating stones. And it contains rumen shield, a combination of additives that protect the cow against acidosis and increase milk butterfat percentage. As regards results, tangible results, which are showing up, I understand, very clearly. What kind of results, Liam, have you seen from farmers using rumen force dairy? But I suppose we launched the product last year, John, and we had a, a good few suppliers using the product last year, and we've consistently seen butterfat improvements of about 0.2% um, when farmers go on, go on to the product. But if a farmer has any queries regarding the Rumen Force dairy product, how can that listener find out more, Liam? As with everything we sell, look, we have got a, a, a big team of farmer-facing staff so you can contact your local area sales manager, you can contact our inside sales team on 022-31644, or you can talk to anyone within your local library branch, and we will all have the information that you require about the product. And 
about you know putting specific plans in place on your farm to deal with low butterflies. Well, thank you very much indeed, Liam. A massive amount of very useful information there. Talking to Mr. Liam Stagg, Rumenland Technical Manager, Agri Division, Dairy Gold Co-op, our sponsor. Liam, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Dennis Howard, Munster Bovine Technical Manager. First of all, welcome to the programme, Dennis. Now, very important, where are we now in the breeding season? So, we're coming on to the end, and thank you very much, John, we're coming on to the end of April, so... um, I suppose the general trend this year so far is I think that people are actually putting off their mating start date by a few days or a week. Um, and part of that has to do probably with the the bad weather there in March. So it was quite a good spring starting off. And then, unfortunately, we had bad weather, um, which puts put farms and farmers under pressure. So um, a good lot of people are putting back their mating start date um, by a few days or a week. And the other thing that's starting to creep in, John, then is the short gestation um, of the bulls. And it's probably probably doubling up now at this stage that the cows, the females are short gestation, the bulls are short gestation, so calves are arriving earlier. So I think both things are probably prompting farmers to delay mating start this a little bit, you know. Now, apart from those gestation trends, what are some other big trends or, you know, main big trends for 2023 that you're noticing, Dennis? Sure, look, I suppose the big one, John, is probably sex semen. Um, a big increase in the use of sex semen, so... We've seen that the last number of years. So sex semen has been doubling year on year with the last number of years. And that's continuing this year with a big increase in the usage of sex semen. And I suppose going along with if you're using more more sex semen, it means that you can be a bit more selective. There's less animals or less females going to be mated with a dairy mating. So that means that there's more, a big increase in dairy beef uh, going in from the start of the breeding season as well. So some good advantages there. Any other advantages you can think of in terms of farmers using the sex semen? And you definitely are suggesting farmers should consider sex semen if they haven't used it already. And are there different managements required for successful use of sex semen to take those points together, Dennis? Yeah, look, I suppose the advantages, obviously, you can be more selective about uh, what cows you want to breed um, a dairy heifer calf uh, or, or get a dairy heifer calf from um, you're going to be going along with that then you're going to there's going to be less straws required or less matings required so that gives you the, the possibility then to use more high value dairy beef from, from the start of the breeding season and of course another big one is actually reducing the, the number of dairy male calves born on farms so um, the, the purity of sex semen is 90% so that means that for every on average um, for every 10 pregnancies you get to a sex to six semen, you're going to get nine heifers and one male. So that's they're, they're the big advantages. I suppose your second question then, John, is um, what different management is required for the select, successful use of sex semen? So I suppose there's, there's, there's you know, to get to get um, good results with sex semen, yeah, there's a few practices need to be put into place, uh, and it's all about stacking the odds in your favour, really. Um, and from a, a breeding company point of view, like we only select bulls with, re- with proven high conception rates um, to go forward for sexing. The other thing is, obviously, we've our own lab this year, our own sex semen lab, along with the lab in Moore Park, um, and the choice, uh, there's a choice how many million sperm cells go into the straw, so look, the, 
the decision with Munster was to put put the max, to put the four million cells into into every straw. So that's really from our side trying to stack the odds in in the herd owner's favour. But then from a herd owner point of view, John, um, I suppose that there's probably three things. Number one is the cow selection. So you want to select uh, fertile fertile cows um, that are that number one. They need to be calved long enough. They need to be in good body condition have a good reproductive um, history and um, have had no problems since calving. So they're, they're the big ones as regards cow selection. Um, I suppose equally for the heifers, you want them to be up to target weight on a rising plane of nutrition, um, you know, so that they're going to be fertile and have a great chance of going in calf. The second thing then with sex semen is, is the timing. So we need to be a bit more precise about the timing of AI and essentially what you're talking about there is you need to avoid heifers or cows that are that are freshly in heat. So they need to be gone off heat. So, for example, if your technician is calling, we'll just say at 11 o'clock in the day, cows or heifers that come into heat uh, from the time he or she leaves um, up till roughly the same time that night are suitable for sex semen the following morning when they're back again. So that's the timing. And then the semen handling is, is the third part. So... Um, obviously, our own technicians put a lot of effort into the semen handling. Some some herd owners are DIY. So the big thing there is is hygiene, um, making sure your the flask is, is descaled, etc. Um, into pre-warmed gun, and then getting it into the cow quickly. So tying out less straws and, and getting it into the cow quickly. So they're they're the big thing. They're the big management things. How did the year 2022 measure up? What were the results like uh, for use of sex semen, and how did farmers get on with it? Um, yeah, so we're just after completing some analysis actually on you know conventional semen versus sex semen, and the results are very very favourable. I mean, last year and actually the years before that as well, there's only a, there's only one or two percent, believe it, uh, believe it or not, in the in the conception rate uh, between sexed and conventional semen. But I suppose hidden inside in that is probably the extra effort that that um, that herd owners go to selecting cows and selecting heifers for sex semen. So what I was talking about earlier on, really, it's all about stacking the odds in your favour with sex semen. And if you do that, you can really achieve comparable conception rates to conventional semen. Now, if a farmer hasn't tried sex yet this year, is it too late at this point to start? It's not. Sure, like there's, I suppose, certainly what's a great sign is that people that have been using sex semen or tried it last year are going again. So that, that's the big thing. And a lot of new people as well trying it this year. So if you're, I suppose, if you're, if you've been on defence and you want to to give it a go, it's not too late to start. There's, um, there's, there is, there's still semen available of the top bulls. I suppose the big advantage to la- this year and last year is, is the is the two labs this year, especially in the country, our own lab and the lab in War Park. So it means that the top bulls that were were available there in the country to be sexed. So there's plenty, there's plenty semen from from um, from very very good bulls available. And what I would be saying is, is why not give it a go? You know, um, you know, ten, ten, twenty straws. So if you're hundred cow herd, um, and you're kind of on the fence, why not get fifteen or twenty straws? Try a few in the heifers, try some in the cows, um, and see how you get on. Now, for some farmers, there is a perception that you have far more scope to use beef semen from the start of the breeding season when you're using the sex semen. Would that be a fair comment? It is, I think. I suppose. Look, sex semen is one thing. There's, there's a couple of other things. No, um, one thing is probably the, the, the national herd, and that's no different here in Munster. The national herd is stabilising, so there's probably, there's probably less, um, 
females required going forward to, to maintain the herd, or to, to maintain herd size. Um, the next thing is that fertility has improved over the, immeasurably probably over the last 10 or 20 years, so that um, cows are more fertile. Management is probably better, so we're actually able to get more pregnancies from, from the inseminations that we do. And then on top of that, then sex semen is feeding into that, that you're going to need less, less um, inseminations to generate females with, uh, with sex semen. So, for example, if you're using, if you need four and a half conventional straws to generate a heifer calf, we'll say, in a herd with, with reasonable fertility, you're probably talking two and a half sex straws. So you need, you need less insemination with sex semen, which means there's more scope um, to put beef on the remaining animals. Staying with the advantages of AI, what is the advantage of using dairy beef, AI, artificial insemination, over stock bulls being used? Um, sure, look, I suppose the, the big advantage is choice and reliability when, when you talk of um, AI AI beef bulls for the dairy herd versus versus stock bulls. So I suppose the bulls that come through, that are tested and come through the breeding program, um, I'd describe them as, as special bulls, really, these bulls that are suitable for, for dairy herds. Um, and look what the dairy farmer wants, is he wants an easy calving. There's no dairy farmer wants a hard calving for a heifer or, or a cow during the spring um, because it's, it's, it's just too hard on the cow or the heifer. And, you know, herd owners are too busy that time of year. And another thing that, that really um, creeps in, especially as the season goes on, is gestation length. So they don't want bulls that are going to be adding time, especially late in the second half of the breeding season. You're going to have cows calving out in, in April and May. Um, so that's you just have to get those things right from the, from the dairy side of the house. But um, if you can get those things right and add quality to the calf, that's really, I suppose, where the magic comes with, with dairy beef. And I think the bulls that are coming through the program now and the bulls that are available, um, there's a wide range of them available for, for dairy beef, regardless of what breed you want, um, that you have the reassurance, especially in the, in the Munster, certainly from our side, uh, we, we really focus on that reliability and those records. So you have bulls that have plenty of records, so you're, you have re- assurance with the calving figure that you have, um, and you have great choice as well. Now, selecting beef bulls for cows and heifers, what guidelines, Dennis, would you follow for selecting beef bulls for cows and heifers for our farming listeners? So, look, at, um, I suppose we'll take heifers first, and the only bulls we'd have in our catalogue, John, for dairy heifers, uh, or the only beef bulls we'd have are, are Angus's. So, look, for in, the, the likes of Gabriel Pat there, um, he's, he's very easy calving and heifers. He's minus nearly three days in gestation, and he's a really good carcass value for a bull. With those kind of calving figures, he still has a, a carcass value of over nine kilos. So a bull that you can, and plenty of records behind him as well, so a bull that you'll have reassurance that he's going to have an easy calving on your heifer, um, but he's going to still have a good calf, you know, a, a good carcass value and a short gestation. If you move on to cows then, and I suppose the key thing is here, that that bull that I just mentioned, Gabriel Pat, we recommend him for heifers, there's a, there's a much bigger panel of, of Angus bulls then for cows um, that are still going to have an easy calving. So that we'll say the likes of deal is shotgun there, uh, 63-31. He's very easy calving, suitable for second calvers, so suitable for young cows. But he's a, he has a carcass value then of 14 kilos, and he's still minus you know two and a half days in gestation. So you have two different bulls there. One is going to have a very easy calving on heifers uh, and produce a good calf. 
The other is still going to have a very easy calving on second calvers, um, but even produce a better calf. So you've that scope there to choose choose the bull for the parity of animal, whether it's a heifer, second calver, mature cow, um, and you're, you're, you're spreading the risk, you're using a, a variation of bulls, and you're maximizing the, the value of the calf. So you're going to have a really saleable, um, saleable, attractive calf to sell the following spring. Now, from your comments there on selecting beef bulls for cows and heifers, the most popular breed, would it be the breed you refer to, Angus? What would the most popular breed be, bearing everything in mind and what you've said already? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And I suppose, like, obviously, the, the two most popular breeds are Angus and Hereford, the two traditional breeds, John. Um, and the Angus is like a really, you know, the... the the modern Anguses, they're, they're able to achieve those calving difficulty figures and those gestation lengths and have excellent kilos of carcass, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a big variety of them there. But then if you'll, I suppose another very popular breed and they're very saleable in the mart is the, is the, is the Hereford. So the likes of Zorro there, he's um, very easy calving, suitable for second calvers again, only 3.1% calving difficulty, um, but nearly, nearly 9 or 10 kilos of carcass. So a very good and he's also polled, so all his progeny are polled. So there's a variety of them there, um, but you know they're they're not quite as good as the Angus, uh, probably carcass weight wise, but very saleable and 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 very good cattle to finish as well. But what's interesting then, John, I suppose, is that people are are getting a little bit more ambitious with their mature cows. You know, with the bigger mature cows that aren't getting a dairy straw. Um, so the, you know, there's Belgian blues, there's there's limousines, there's um, Aubrac, there's Charlies. So a lot of people now are actually from, from the start of the breeding season putting in some of these continentals. Um, they're probably going to be up monitoring cows calving anyway. And these bulls, they're they're easy calving on mature cows, but you know you, you still need to be there to supervise them. So look, if we take a limousine, the likes of Powerful Proper there, uh, he's quite good in gestation length. And you know, 5.3% calving difficulty in cows, so suitable for mature cows, and he's quite easily calved. There's magnificent there, Torok more magnificent, the Aubrac, um, quite easily calved again on mature cows, and um, and the likes of the Charlie Lepon, um, you know, quite easily calved on mature mature cows again. So big, big, bigger, older cows, um, and I suppose the big advantage of these bulls is the is the quality of the calves, so really saleable, attractive calves with a bit of colour. Um, and really, really uh, profitable animals then for the for the finisher to be finishing. They have big kilos of carcass there. The likes of Horford Proper with over 20 kilos of carcass. Um, the the Aubrac that I spoke about over 20 kilos of carcass. So you know, very, very, um, they have very saleable calves the following spring. You know. We're speaking now to Mr. Dennis Howard, Munster Bovine Technical Manager. To sum up then, Dennis, when a person, when a herd owner lister is going through the catalogue, what should a herd owner look at when selecting a dairy beef sire on the catalogue? So look, I suppose to, to sum up is to, um, is to, to choose a bull with, with a calving difficulty that suits you, that you're comfortable with, and that suits your, your system, so the, the level of supervision. Um, and the next thing then is to is to divide up your cows. So you're going to have those mature cows that can take, you know, a slightly a slight a bull with a slightly higher calving difficulty. Your second calvers that need a little bit more care. So a bull that's a bit bit easier calving. And then obviously your maiden heifers. So make sure you have the calving difficulty right, depending on the parity of the animal. 
as the season goes on, keep a close eye on the gestation length, that they're actually knocking days off rather than knocking days on as the season goes on. And then what you're trying to do really is, is maximise the, the calf value. So keep an eye on the beef sub-index, keep an eye on the carcass weight and conformation to maximise the value of the calf going forward. And look, I suppose from our point of view in Munster, we, we really we probably focus on fertility and getting cows and calf equally uh, with, with genetics. So what I mean by that, John, is um, is these bulls, we re- especially the beef bulls, they're often the last bulls used in the herd. So um, so we really want to make sure that they're, they have high fertility semen. And then I suppose, obviously, the value of our own technician service there and the quality of the service they offer as regards getting cows and calf. So look, the big thing is we is the bull is, is extremely important. But of equal, if not more importance, is actually getting the cow and calf, you know, and make sure that she's, she's, she's going to be there next year to have a calf. Have you some contact details for people who would like to find out how their own particular enterprise would benefit from using sexed semen? So, yeah, I suppose the, the contact details, look, the, the, the main office number is 0224-3228. But equally, if you go on to, um, go on to our website or if you have a catalogue and look at the back of the catalogue, you'll find um, the various uh, breeding advisors and area managers so, that, are, that are close to you. So definitely give one of the lads a call and they'll be able to guide you through um, maybe the options with sex semen bulls or dairy, dairy bulls in general and also the, the dairy beef bulls um, available. And then obviously your own, your own local AI technician. So they'll, um, if, you want, if you're interested in sex semen, let them know, give them a shout, they'll give you good guidance and they'll also be able to, to order straws um, if, if you want to go ahead and use some sex semen. And I think your office number, if it's okay to give out your office number, 022 43228. That's 022 43228 for Monster Bovine. That's it, John. That's it. Uh, and the website then is www.monsterbovine.ie. How could mm-hmm. your Monster Bovine Farm Ops app help uh, farmer listeners? during this breeding season? So, yeah, the Munster Bovine, the Farm Ops app. Um, so, to something I think that's extremely useful is, is the breeding um, is the breeding module in the app, John. And I suppose, look, as a, in, in my job, I'm often looking back at fertility, seeing how things went um, when the breeding season is finished. And I suppose the big, the big difference with the app and the, the analysis that's done, it's actually real-time during the breeding season. So, we... We have these six breeding metrics that calculate daily. So when the technician serves go in overnight or your own serves go in, which you can put in through the app, um, those calculations done overnight. And they're all really to try and guide you and maximize your performance during the breeding season. So keep you on target with your submission rate, with your heat detection. And then as the season goes on, prompting you to see how many empty cows that are left, maybe prompting you with the cows that are calved 35 days that you need to take action on prompting you with the with the cows that are due repeat and mm-hmm. whole package really is to try and try and maximize your your performance maximize your six-week calving rate and make your breeding season as as successful as possible thank you very much indeed mr dennis howard munster bovine technical manager thank you very much indeed dennis thanks a million thank you john a pleasure yeah.
Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, we have Mr. Brendan Smitty, Chagask, Knock Griffin, Middleton, County Cork, in the east of the county. First of all, Brendan, welcome to the programme. Now, very important, before we begin our conversation in general, one or two big events which uh, would be of great interest to our listeners, especially you know, crops, etc. Thanks, John, for being on the programme this week. Um, there is a, a number of spring, spring crop walks um, coming up. Um, the first one is on Wednesday, the 3rd of May at 11 o'clock in the Department of Agriculture farm in Ballyderon in Fermoy. And the following day on Thursday, the 4th of May, um, a similar walk is being held in Tambuzang in Glendine via Yall. Um, so he's on the Yall, the, the Yall Waterford border. But, um, so that's on Thursday, the 4th of May. Again, both meetings are on at 11 a.m. BIS applications, before we start, as I understand it, the new BIS, B-I-S-S, that's actually another way of saying the old BPS basic payment scheme. Exactly, John. Exactly, yeah. So, look, just a, diff- a different acronym. Um, but, look, it's the same process, um, you know, kind of going back to, to, to get getting payment, um, you know, in, in the latter part of the year. So it has been rechristened this year, John, the, the basic income support for sustainability, i.e. the B-I-S-S, BIS. Um, so it is similar now. Look, while it's similar, there's been a lot of changes in terms of the way the scheme is operating. A lot, I suppose, of extra requirements in terms of completing the applications and a significant amount more detail required. So appointments are taken much longer. And I appreciate, I suppose, look, farmers, look for the way the spring has gone. Farmers have been exceptionally busy up to now and look basically probably busy going back doing field work. But... It would be crucial and vitally important that um, farmers would make contact with with their local advisors and consultants um, in terms of getting basically in terms of getting their applications submitted. Um, it is going to be uh, you know a fairly onerous task at this stage to get all applications submitted by the deadline because they are taking significantly longer than than, than in previous years. So. Um, look, I suppose in a nutshell, don't delay in making an appointment. Make contact and, as I say, get an appointment. Grassland farmers. Um, Historically, they would have been part of the greening process, and it would have come as an automatic, uh, an automatic part of their payment. That has been re-termed this year under the eco schemes, um, which does a, rake of, a range of eco schemes, but um, some can be met voluntarily. But um, a lot of situations, farmers have to choose from a menu of options, and that process is taking taking a lot of time. We turn now to grassland and your observations, your overall observations. Yes, I, I suppose, like, look, we've had, I suppose, a very good February and a very challenging March and April, you know, from a weather point of view and from field work and, and, and grazing point of view. Um, and look, I suppose the net result has been, look, across the region and across the soil types, grass supply, I suppose, is very variable on farms. Um, some farms, you know, have to maybe have a lot of grass on, on, on farm at the moment, um, you know, and you're starting to see maybe some 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 baling happening on, on some on, on some units. Um, to other farms where maybe grass is scarce, and you look at, as I said, there's just a kind of a, maybe a slight deficits out there at the moment. Now, um, look as the weather improves, and look with a good forecast coming. Growth rates will improve significantly in the next couple of weeks. And I suppose the, the important thing is that people get out and walk the farms on a regular basis. Um, look, assess the supply, I suppose, as a supply that's kind of coming to meet and the demand, look, that's there to take off, you know, the, the, those growth rates. And look, I suppose there's a question then of adjusting stocking rates as required. The ultimate objective at the end of the day is to maintain 
quality grass in front of, you know, whatever grazing stock, be it cows, cattle, calves, um, you know, sheep. Um, look, is to have the optimum quality grass and enough of it kind of coming through. And look, as I say, to, to, to get through that rotational basis. So, look, the fundamental part, I suppose, assess the situation by walking the farm regularly. Um, you know, and again, I suppose, from a fertiliser point of view, you know, I suppose, look, follow the fertiliser plans that people have in place, um, you know, within limits and allowances. Um, deal, I suppose, with, with soil fertility issues. But again, look, regular walks, look, um, you know, and just assess the situation as I say, um, across all units at this stage, probably, especially as growth rates start to actually kick off at this stage. Um, look, we're heading for the start of May. Growth rates will um, pick up significantly, and it's just a question just kind of keeping on top of things from there. Next on our list, reseeding. We're coming back to that time of the year. Look, and I know, as I said, the past month has been exceptionally challenging. Um, and I suppose more importantly to try, look, as, suppose, as we look to the future in terms of trying to get good clover establishment on farms and good clover levels on farms, with the aim of reducing nitrogen levels, um, you know, from an environmental and an economic point of view as we move forward, um, that April, early May, I suppose late April, early May is kind of the ideal time, I suppose, to get clover established. So from a receding point of view, I suppose, ensure that there's adequate levels. So it's a question of, of look, of having adequate clover, on, we would say, on the direct receded ground. And look, for other people that are, that, that are looking at um, over-sowing maybe some paddocks, again, look, in the, next, in, in, in the next number of weeks, but sooner rather than later in terms of getting, selecting those paddocks, getting them into the grazing cycle, getting the clover, spreading them. And the big issue, and I suppose the most important issue on these clover ground, you know, is frequent grazings after they're receded or after they're oversown with a view to establishing the clover and, you know, and maintaining the development of the clover over time. Now, breeding, where are we with breeding at the moment? Breeding has, has probably gone from the earlier, the earlier calving units maybe have started maybe in, in early April. Uh, a, lot, a lot of farmers maybe have only started in the last week or are starting, starting these days. And look, I suppose, look, some people will be out in early May. Um, again, look, the weather has, while, while stock have been in and out, weather has been challenging maybe in terms of pick, uh, maybe identify, identifying cows for breeding. But again, I suppose, you know, it's no different to, 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 to the grassland scenario. It is a question of kind of going through the, the dairy herds at this stage, assessing where, you know, where activity is at, I suppose, using and maximising the use of basically heat detection aids, you know, whether it is tail painting or, you know, automated, uh, automated systems. But, um, you know, it, like I suppose, with a view to try and, trying to maintain compact calving, um, Basically, the next number of weeks will be essential and crucial from that point of view in terms of basically in terms of getting cows submitted and basically you know along with good conception rates to have cows calving you know in a compact in a compact number next next spring where you have bulls running in herds safety obviously becomes an issue as well so you know it is a time of the year that look as I say unfortunately there has been a few a few a few, a few accidents and incidents over the years so again just being careful you know as I say where, where people are going out to cows where bulls are, are within herds and stuff like that just basically being conscious of the safety aspect of dealing with stock you know at, at, at this stage of the year there's a lot of activity there's a lot of field work on farms at the moment there's a lot of kind of catching up to do you know after the challenging weather and things like that so I, I you know kind of look there's a lot of tasks being completed every day look whether to stock machinery, whatever, you know, it, it's a question of just being conscious um, 
of what basically the activities of people they're at look and just being that little bit I suppose careful from the point of view of health and safety issues as well look again go back to the breeding look we have AI technicians and things like that kind of coming into farms um, you know mingling with stock and stuff like that so maybe look just being conscious as stock move around the yards um, is there anything that could be you know that might that maybe can be arranged just to make make things a little bit easier and safer for for basically for people that are that, that are that are dealing with stock and the same thing look for machinery or whatever um so look maybe to as i say just be conscious of, of, of the dangers that are involved and look just 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 take whatever approaches are you know uh, take whatever approaches or purposes that, are, that, that will help in terms of reducing the risk of accidents on farm. Very sound advice indeed. Please remind our listeners of the farm walks that you mentioned at the start of our programme. Yes, Jan. So basically the first one is on next Wednesday, the 3rd of May, 11 o'clock in the Department of Agriculture farm in Ballyderone um, from I County Cork. And the following day on Thursday, the 4th of May, again at 11 o'clock, on the farm of Tom Buzang, Glendine. Um, now he's via Yall, basically he's on the board of a board, but basically so it's Tom Buzang, Glendine, um, and that's on Thursday the 4th of May. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed for all of that invaluable information. Mr. Brendan Smitty, Chagask, Knock Griffin, Middleton, County Cork. Thank you, Brendan, very much indeed. Thanks a million. That's great. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to our contributors this week. Barry O'Mahony, 96 and C103 News Editor. Murray Tuig, 96FM and C103 News Reporter. Murray is also the creator of the regular Farm Talk Podcasts Weekly. Also, Laura Woods, Mokrana Firma, Carberry Region, a radio officer for her fortnightly reports of everything that's going on in the Mokra world in the Carberry Region. A very special thank you, of course, to you, the listener, for tuning in 7am to 8am on Saturday mornings and Wednesday evenings midweek programme 10pm to 11pm Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Calf Milk Replacer. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.